Did you know that every two in five Canadians are expected to be diagnosed with cancer in some point in their life, and that one in four of them will actually die from it? Cancer is a very terrifying disease, but with science and technology that has progressed to where it is right now, there are so many preventative measures that we can take for early diagnosis, so that we can catch cancer very early on and treat it. For example, a very common type of cancer in women, besides breast cancer, is cervical cancer, where the cells in the cervix start to change and become abnormal. And doctors often recommend getting a Pap test or a Pap smear to prevent it. And this has definitely shown to reduce cervical cancer rates. But what exactly is a Pap smear, and how does this preventative measure work against cancer? I'm Thanisharya Rajendran, and welcome back to On the Sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about Pap smears is Alyssa, a translational medicine student and a science for everyone researcher. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh my God, I love chatting with you. But let's get right into it. What exactly is a Pap smear? Yeah, so a Pap smear um, is a cytology-based screening tool. So cytologist means the study of cells. Um, so basically what it is, is it's a sample that's taken from the cervix. So um, it's cervical cytology. So they use a little brush and they take some cells from the cervix um, and they put it in the liquid. And then later, um, someone with expertise will go and stain those cells and look at them under a microscope to identify if they're normal or if they're abnormal looking. And then we can monitor it from there. Um, and how they get those is they uh, do a pelvic exam using this tool called a speculum, and they'll just get it with a little swab. So yeah, that's how that works. So it's kind of like a little swab test. They stick a swab up there, well, more professionally. Yes. And then they get a sample, and then they look for cancer. And what specific cancers are they looking for in this scenario? Yeah, they're specifically just looking for cervical cancer, just because it's a swab of the cervix. Um, and yeah, well, the physician or healthcare provider is like um, down doing the pelvic exam, they can also look at the health of the vagina and the vulva. Um, but this is specifically just looking at uh, the cervix. So, Okay, it's kind of like a cervical exam that you should be doing regularly, I imagine? Uh, yes, that's correct. So how often in Canada that it's recommended to be done is starting at 21 um, if you're sexually active or if you've ever been sexually active, um, if not, you can chat with your healthcare provider about when would be appropriate for you. Um, and it's to be done every three years at the moment. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine is still due soon. I have not booked an appointment. I should. I'm just yeah. procrastinating. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things on my healthcare checklist that I'm like, oh, I should go get that looked at and whatever. But I think I think my pap smear will be next January. But the first one that I got um, was really well done. Um, it, I was a little nervous because I think anything to do with like your genitals can be a little bit nervous. Uh, but there's nothing to feel embarrassed or ashamed about. Um, healthcare providers see people's genitals all the time um with consent uh and uh yeah they'll be happy to make you comfortable and if you are uncomfortable just talk to them and they can make you more comfortable so no yeah. i remember when i had my pap smear and definitely going in and it's very anxious like you feel so anxious going into it and my biggest fear of that was that it was gonna hurt oh my god it's gonna hurt because they're trying to insert a swab up your vagina right 
but it doesn't. It's like uncomfortable, but like it's fine. Yeah, and they can um they can talk you through like what they're doing, and actually they probably should be talking you through exactly what they're doing so that you know what to expect and where there might be like points of discomfort. Um, but I was fairly comfortable, and I think actually the more nervous you are, the more uncomfortable it can make it because your body just responds to stress by contracting. So um, yeah, try to breathe through it and talk to your healthcare provider um, and someone you trust. You know what I'm so curious about, Alyssa? Who exactly invented the pap sphere? Like, how did it exactly like come about? Because it's such a weird concept, swabbing your vagina and your cervix. So it was invented by uh, George Papanakulio, um, a Greek cytologist at Cornell University. So his last name is what kind of led to the, the name of this cervical cytology. And essentially, he was interested in um, studying cells and the changes of cells. And so he got into um, wanting to track menstrual cycles in guinea pigs, um, which don't, unlike humans, they don't bleed or shed tissue. So there's no like visible like they are menstruating. Um, so he did this by uh, using uh, nasal speculum and Q-tips to like swab the guinea pig cervixes. And he found that their cells changed throughout the cycle. And now the scientific community was like, well this isn't useful. Um, people who have periods have been tracking their menstrual cycles, you know, probably since the dawn of time, they know approximately when they're going to happen. We don't need, you know, a Q-tip swab and a microscope to like determine, you know, what part of the cycle that someone's in. Like that'd be pretty impractical. You have to track your cycle by swabbing yourself and using a microscope. Um, so he then transitioned to looking at humans, specifically his uh, partner, Maria, um, which that was very nice of her to allow her husband to do cervical swabs on her like daily. I um, so, would never. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be a no for me probably. Um, anyway, she, maybe she deserves a like a scientific award. Anyway, uh, so he sampled her cervix cells um daily and then found that there was also like these changes that he observed in guinea pigs as well. And still, people were like, "Well, this is still pointless." Um, so then he went on to sampling people with different, um, like pelvic and vaginal diseases. Uh, so people who might have fibroid or who had cervical cancer and he noticed changes, but people are like, well, we've already diagnosed them with these changes. So why does it matter? Like we've already diagnosed them. We don't need to see what their cervical cells look like. So then he started screening women who were precancerous and he found that he was able to predict, um, cervical changes that would turn into cancer. Uh, so then people were like, oh, this is actually helpful. And then, you know, there were some more studies that were done and they found that it was helpful. And now it's a common uh, screening tool um, that's been used for several decades. And yeah, so that's how it kind of came to be. Uh, guinea pigs and uh, a really loving wife. Oh, my God, that was so supportive of her. <laughs> But yeah, it seems like it's a lot of research and it's a lot of like proving this is worth it. This is going to work. And it does work. And we talked about earlier how you should get it every three years, a test with your GP and whatnot. But who exactly should get it? Yeah. So anybody with a cervix who's between the ages of 21 and 69, so or like 70, prior to the ages of like 21, you're really unlikely to develop cervical cancer, especially if you're not sexually active. Um, and even if you are sexually active, um, the human papillomas virus, which we have a previous episode on, um, usually takes anywhere from like 10 to 20 years to turn in to, to like change cells into cancer. And this causes most 
types of cervical cancer, and then past the age of 70, as long as your pap tests have been negative for the last couple of years or normal, um, then you don't need to do any more. And some other people who are of um, interest, so some special screening circumstances. Uh, so women who have sex with women should still get cervical cancer screening. Um, you don't have to be someone who has sex with people who have penises to get cervical cancer screening. Um, pregnant women can still be screened. Uh, people who've undergone a hysterectomy, if the cervix has been removed, then you don't need uh, cervical like screening. Uh, but if the cervix was not removed, then you would need cervical screening. Um, women who are immunocompromised um, should receive more screening more often. Um, so they recommend annual screening. So this could be someone who's like HIV positive or someone who's on long-term immunosuppressants. Uh, so this could be like some sort of condition that you have, or like if you're on immunosuppressive drugs, and also someone who's a transgender man um, or someone who's non-binary who has a cervix should also receive um, screening just as frequently as the guidelines suggest. So um, there's a few people to consider. So anyone with a cervix, um, and you can talk to your healthcare provider if you are classified in that category. Yeah, and it used to be like very general, like, oh, just women, you should get your pap smears every three years. But now it broadened and like it does have an impact, like it does prevent a lot of cases of cervical cancer, just looking at like the Canadian statistics alone. Yeah, so it was kind of challenging actually for me to find out like how many like cases it's prevented, um, like since it was implemented. Um, but something to keep in mind was people who are found to have cervical cancer on a pap test had a 92% cure rate compared to people who were diagnosed by symptoms had a 66% cure rate. So something like a pap test can help identify cancer earlier where it's more treatable and it's less aggressive. Because if you think about it, if you're going into your physician or your healthcare provider and you haven't had regular cervical cancer screenings and you're like, hey, I'm having this weird bleeding or like maybe pain or like pain with sex or whatever you like there could be a lot of things going on but if it's cancer then it's probably pretty far along um whereas if you're going in every three years and someone's like oh these cells are looking a bit abnormal like let's screen again in six months and see if it's cleared on its own which a lot of times if you do get an abnormal screening it'll clear on its own and the cells will go back to normal just vibing about um but if not they can track it and you can get treatment and you can get you know, biopsy. Anyway, there are some countries that are transitioning to um, HPV-based screening, and specifically there is Australia. Um, and the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technology and Health, um, they did an assessment, um, and they found that uh, basically this HPV screening, it's more um, accurate and di like diagnoses more people, but that also might send more people you know, to get further screenings that they don't need. It might not turn into anything, but they are switch like they are recommending that it might save Canada money as well as like save more lives potentially. And you'll don't have to do that screening as often. And that's kind of the main reason it would probably save money. But there'd have to be a lot of like switches over in technology. But Australia is a company that's doing that. But as of right now, the past year works really well and uh you should get one if you haven't or if you're due for one. Um we promise you will be okay. <laughs> get one soon and where should everyone get their pap smears like who do you talk to access is a big thing um if you don't have a doctor or a nurse practitioner um you can find one through healthcare connect um is some is an option for some folks um public health units um, some have sexual health clinics and community health centers that also provide pap smears so you can check out your local public health unit 
um, women in, or I should say people with cervixes in Northwest and Hamilton, Niagara, uh, Hanmead-Brant regions, um, are able to get a test in one of the Cancer Care Ontario Mobile Screening Clinics. One of the things that I found to be very helpful, especially not having a GP as an international student, or like most um, students in university, is going through your wellness center. Because they will connect you to a GP or a doctor or nurse practitioner who's going to help you with this process. Or any walk-in clinics in your community could be helpful too. Yeah, and I know there's some conversations around like, uh, like, can I get a pap smear if I'm on my period or, you know, things like that. And um, it varies by provider. Um, some trusted OBGYNs that I follow on the internet are like, no, you can, like, I, I can do these tests, whatever. But that'd be a matter of contacting the one that's providing your test and just be like, hey, like, my period or maybe something happened that against an FAQ page, they're like, don't get a pap smear if you've done this but um the main thing is probably just give them a call they can probably do it um it's more important to get it i think than anything and cancer is a very deadly disease especially when it progresses because it progresses very rapidly this is why all these preventative measures are very important yeah and that's why i like that uh 2012 uh bmj article i highlighted of like the pap smear test, the people who are caught with that, 92% cure rate, whereas the people who are diagnosed because of symptoms is 66% cure rate. Of course, that's a little bit older, 2012. We've developed better cancer treatments, but um, it just shows that early identification uh, can lead to better outcomes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alyssa, and talking to us about pap smears and all these preventative measures. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a newfound appreciation for guinea pigs and... Um, Dr. Pap's wife, uh, Maria, <laughs> she's the queen. Salute to her, honestly. <laughs> and thank you again for tuning in. And remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about cancer, screening, or any of the other topics we talked about on this show, visit us on Instagram at SciForEveryone and on our website at www.scienceforeveryone.ca. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, June Kim, and Tanishuri Rajendran. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto Student Engagement Grant.